0: Australia broadcasting around the world. Around the world, you're listening to the Mitch Moroni show. Here's your host, Mitch Moroni. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Today, we've got Jude Morris from Deloitte's, he heads up the Deloitte's restructuring services division. G'day, Jude. How are
1: you? I'm good, Mitch. How are you going?
0: Yeah, not too bad, not too bad at all. So, I suppose. Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do and all the rest.
1: What I do is I work within Deloitte's Restructuring Services Division, which is part of our broader financial advisory practice. And my specialty is really working with businesses which are suffering some type of financial distress, which is causing cash to be an issue. In good times, that can be companies which are suffering growing pain. So it's probably a good problem to have and and they need to find cash. Or in other times, in particular, probably what we're suffering at the moment with the whole COVID-19 thing, it's more where there's a real cash crunch being caused by some external factor and what we do is we help businesses navigate their way through that period of distress and hopefully come out the other side without, hopefully, by avoiding any sort of formal insolvency. That's the other side of the things that we do, which is where a company is at the end of its life and does need to be put to sleep, so to speak. We perform services like voluntary administration to restructure companies or liquidations where it's really quite fatal for a company. So, yeah, it's pretty yeah. much what we do.
0: With that side of things, obviously, that's a very broad spectrum of what you do. Mm. So, most of it, by the sounds of it, is obviously trying to save companies. You know, You can't obviously save all companies because some do need to go to sleep. But is that sort of Correct, you do try and save. Life.
1: Definitely. Yeah, that, that's always what we try and do first. And it's what gives us the most pleasure and the most satisfaction to actually save a business, to save people's jobs, and to get a business up and running and, and kicking along again. That, that is a much better experience for us and for our clients is to see a business go on and then succeed. To give you an example, we had a transport company which was almost on the verge of collapse and it could have been easy to say let's liquidate it but no we went in there and we looked at it and we sort of cut up the numbers and worked with management to eventually turn this business around so after about 12 months this thing's now spitting out lots of cash and it's almost on the verge of an ipo so, that's, yeah, and got, it, that's right, it's got the support of its bankers and it's been a great success story. So that gives us, like I said, a, a lot of satisfaction. So yes, yeah, yeah. Always I, our first
0: port of call. You guys obviously do big and small in that respect.
1: Yep. Yeah, so the whole range right from doing your typical mum and dad small business right through to the top end of town. We look at it all and, and we scale our services accordingly to what it requires that obviously makes complete sense it'd be
0: interesting on a say large scale say publicly listed companies and and working with them Mm. what's your sort of experience there like i suppose what interesting things have come up that you've had to deal with there
1: well i guess at the moment deloitte is engaged through our brisbane offices where the administrators of virgin airlines That's probably the biggest insolvency that's happened to Australia in the last 20 years maybe, probably the biggest since, you know, the last airline to fall over, which was Ansett. So that's been sort of some incredible long days in trying to keep airlines up in the air and having midnight phone calls with caterers in Los Angeles airport to make sure there's going to be food on planes um, and talking to fuel companies in Hong Kong to make sure planes are going to get So I I guess
0: that's your other stuff you think obviously the plane in the air keeping it going but you do need that's the, right like need fuel in the flight you need all of those
1: other yeah and that's why you've got to sort of keep people happy but dealing with sort of the listed company side yes there's a bit more sophistication there and, and the data's can be easier to get not always yeah. we've come across listed companies where you just wonder how the hell do you know what's going on because their accounting is just terrible yeah. But generally the numbers are better And there's a few more systems and processes. I guess the thing with public companies, you're just dealing with a lot more stakeholders in terms of regulators and lots of shareholders. Any horror stories
0: of stuff that you've had to deal with there?
1: Oh, horror stories. CEOs being
0: fraud and stealing all the money
1: and running away? Oh, yeah, there are plenty of those. Yeah, there's plenty of stories. I think businesses sort of fail for a few reasons. It's either the people are crooks, or they just don't know what they're doing, or it's both, or it's just really, really bad luck. Like Coronavirus is probably bad luck for a lot of people. But in terms of some real horror stories, I guess a recent one I've come across is a sort of a labour hire scaffolding company, where the director just sort of started up a company, decided that paying PAYG tax was just optional for him. So and he, well, for everybody wasn't. That's right. But what he would do is he'd provide Labour hire to building companies but he would go in really cheap with his quotes because he wasn't paying tax. Totally unfair to all the other good businesses which were paying their tax. So yeah. he was effectively thirty percent less yeah. and not paying GST, so now he's probably like forty percent less than his competitors. And yeah. the ATO had allowed his debt to run up to about one and a half million dollars. That's A long
0: time to let it run to do that, and that is right. You just couldn't compete, you
1: know. No, undercutting
0: by 30 40 percent, you just couldn't do
1: it. No, I think some of the bigger building companies that he was engaged with actually cottoned on and says, Well, that's just too cheap. You're obviously not paying your tax, we don't want to deal with you. But there were yeah. others that would say they'll just take the cheapest price they can. So, this guy was basically defrauding the government and it's insolvent trading, bordering on criminal. So, hopefully. ASIC will be sort of throwing the book at him, you know, he could be facing jail time for that type of stuff. So that's probably a, quite a, a recent serious one. Is it very often that ASIC does
0: have a good crack?
1: Uh, it's got to be, in, you know, they've only got so finite resources. They don't have a lot to share around. So they want to get the bang for their buck. So it will be the high profile cases yeah. where there's lots of creditors affected or lots of employees that have lost their money That's where they're more likely to take action. It's just these little ones like this scaffolding company. At the end of the day, the government and employees might only lose a $1 million or $2 million, but this is happening everywhere. And if you add up all of these $1 million companies, they're much bigger combined than just a few of your high-profile business collapses. So it is a problem. Just
0: on that, I don't know whether you guys have any involvement in it, but I saw Westpac just got pinged a couple of weeks ago. And they're expecting a huge fine from, I think
1: it was APRA for yeah. a money laundering. We don't really get involved with that side of it. That's probably more of a uh, regulatory thing, not really within yeah. our remit. It was interesting when I was reading the article, because rightfully or wrong, they probably didn't know
0: to the nitty gritty because it was essentially small level people funding money through the bank to go elsewhere.
1: Yeah, it looks worse than what it is because it was probably a system issue where you know, there was some problem in the system that every transaction of under $100 got through, exactly. and there was just millions of those transactions, so theoretically there's a $1,000 fine for every transaction. So. Yeah,
0: and they got mm. 24,000 mm. transactions, I think, or 24,000 counts or something. Yeah. It would be something like that. Similar thing yeah. happened with Citigroup over in America. Yeah, that's right. Obviously, that was a bit more obvious, that like the cartel was threatening the bank managers, but... They were letting it go through and different systems didn't pick it
1: up. And Banging against banks is a, a victimless crime, Mitch. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get
0: us some ratings. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, the elephant in the room, the COVID crisis at the moment. What's your sort of thoughts on it?
1: Yeah, so a lot of people I talk to going, oh, geez, you guys must be really busy being in the sort of liquidation game with COVID 19. And Talking to my colleagues in other firms and, and in the industry, well we're actually we're not and looking at the stats, it's not if anything, the numbers have probably come down of sort of business values. And because of the stimulus side sort
0: of things? Or?
1: Totally. Totally. The biggest thing has been the stimulus and the second biggest thing has been there was a change to the legislation in that with a statutory demand and to wind up a company if you're owed money, in particular something the ATO uses when they're winding up companies, is it now takes six months. You can't enforce on your statutory demand for six months. So you're not going to see any winding up action at all. Plus the ATO, they've decided not to take any recovery action, which makes sense. So you know why would the government sort of be recovering tax when they're just pumping stimulus into the economy? So there's just so much stimulus out there and we'd be telling people when they come to us going, well, should I put my company into a liquidation or administration? We go, well, no, you can almost hibernate if it's possible. Let's look at that solution. You might be able to get through this with all the stimulus payments. So I think at the moment, especially in Perth and in WA, we've been in the middle of crisis mode where what people have done is they've arranged JobKeeper, they've spoken, to, you know, they've spoken to their landlord, they've spoken to the bank, they've deferred their payments, they've deferred their tax obligations, they might have cut a few staff. So that was crisis mode and I think most people in WA have probably dealt with that now. And so what we probably need to be start doing is looking at recovery mode because things look like they're going to open up. I guess there's frustrations just that we've seen in talking to businesses and clients is in crisis mode. I guess the frustrations of people has being the complexities and ineligibility around JobKeeper, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, hats off to the government for doing that and doing it quickly, but you can't sort of blame them too much for making legislation on the run. <laughs> That's what I was going to
0: say. They did it in two weeks or a month or whatever. Like Yeah. That is insanely fast compared to how long things normally work. And they did it, they got it out there. Yeah, it might have missed some people that yeah the eligible, like, you know, casuals being employed for over twelve months. I know that's come yeah. up yeah and that sort of thing. But end of the day, oh, yeah. they pushed to a deadline and they did get it done. They pushed it through.
1: That's right. Well you think people have probably been arguing for generations over, you know, the deductions for laundry allowances and that laws being taken. You know, exactly. Years to sort out, and you think yeah. job keeper. Of course, you're going to have some holes in it. But anyway, that's been a frustration.
0: Yeah, I can see both sides as well. So there is the frustration side, but I've also yeah. heard on the flip side because it's fifteen hundred a week, fortnight. Sorry, right? no matter what. So people that didn't even earn that much are now getting pay rises because they have to be paid the fifteen hundred.
1: Yeah, but yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. You know, that's obviously a loophole. In the legislation that has allowed that, but I have heard that side as well. So I do take my hats off to them being able to get it through so quick and it is pretty good. I mean, yeah, tolls and all that, but Mm. tolls in legislation that takes them 10 years to pass.
1: Yeah, well, the alternative was just to sort of get a plane and fly across Perth and just drop out $50 notes because that's really what they're trying to do, is just get money out there circulating and this is just the easiest way to do it.
0: Yeah, and I think the fact that they linked most of the incentives to employment, I think that was a good mm. point. So, yeah, keeping businesses alive. Up, but Yeah, definitely. Keeping their employees because there's no point, say, keeping a business semi-alive, but mm. employees have to go on the dole and it just doesn't work. You know, At least it's keeping the money flowing.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. That's a really key part of the initiative. I guess another frustration through this crisis mode has been people with getting like the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars or lesser amounts out of the banks in the emergency yeah. funding. again, I uh, don't blame the banks for taking their time. It's just because they found out when the government announced it, so and banks are big beasts and takes a long time to set up processes and systems and documents, and they're only now trying to catch up, so I can understand that frustration on both sides
0: trying to turn around an aircraft carrier. It'll do
1: it eventually, but it takes a little bit to to get there. That's right. That's right. And then finally, the other frustration has been really people negotiating with their landlords or with their tenants. I'm not sure what your clients are experiencing, but there's a whole range of experience going on that some people are able to be Quite collaborative and reach a mutually acceptable position that will work for both parties. Then there's just some landlords or some tenants that are just sticking their foot in the ground and, or head in the sand and just not sort of budging at all.
0: Well, like we were discussing off air, we had one client that their landlord was going to give them a three month reprieve, I think it was, it might have been six. So no rent for that period because they're a cafe, they're not allowed to open, they can't do takeaways, etc., either. Because mm-hmm. of where it is, it's not worth doing takeaways. So yeah, that sounds great. You're not having to pay rent for six months. But as a condition of that, it gets capitalized. So that I I don't know how much it was off the top of my head, but say it was two grand a month for six months. That twelve grand they have to pay off over the next eighteen months of a two year lease bargain say. Yeah. So in that case, kind of kicking the can down the road, hopefully they'll be able to do it and get through it. But it's Mm. not a massive retrieve. But then I've had other ones. They got hit hard. They're actually a travel agency specializing in cruises. Oh,
1: <laughs> um, a double whammy, yeah. Yeah, so they
0: had a rough time. Their landlord dropped their rent by 60%. Just mm. questions asked. We're going to just charge you 40% until it all gets lifted and stuff again, and then we'll work out a bit of a deal after that. But I thought, mm. you know, that's both ends of that spectrum of we're going to help you out, get through this, and. We'll invest in the future I suppose in the business
1: or I still want my money yeah we'll get you through it but I guess at least we're a bit luckier in WA because I think WA is the only state to actually legislate the guidance that the federal government put out about landlords and tenant negotiations whereas the other states haven't so like the legislation at the moment in WA is you can actually if you want to just leave your lease you can get out of it without penalty now Wow. small businesses. Yeah. You know, they can't call on guarantees. They can't call on the rental bond you might have put up. You know, there's no personal liability. You can theoretically get out of your lease if you just chose that, hey, my business is stuffed. I can't go on anyway. Is the keys.
0: Wow, yeah. That will help, especially, you know, say a dying business and it can't continue and it does need to shut the doors.
1: Or if you need to move to cheaper premises.
0: Yeah, That's true. Yeah. At least it gives them that option without having to go, oh, shit, I've got six months left of the lease, so that's how much I'm going to pay out
1: or whatever. That's interesting. Yeah. So I guess what we need to start focusing on, and this is what we're telling clients at all from small businesses to medium to more of the top end of town, what we're telling people is, well, now that you've dealt with crisis mode, you're in hibernation or you're in somewhere in between, is to really now start focusing on recovery And what does that look like? So you really need to start forecasting. What does the future look like? And you probably need different scenarios because how quickly is revenue going to ramp up? Is it going to be a hockey stick or is it going to be a hockey stick and then a gradual and then another uptick or it's just going to be a slow grind? People don't really know. I guess if you're in pubs or hospitality, yeah, the first two weeks, it's going to be chaos. Everyone's going to be out partying and eating and drinking, but then once they've had their fill, they're probably going to go back to staying at home because you've got to think about this sort of a million people have been put out of work in the country and more than that have had to either access their super, go into their savings, or they've taken a pay cut. These people have to fix their own balance sheets first. But even before coronavirus, you know, Mitch, there wasn't that much money around for discretionary spending. It was already a problem. Now yeah. it's going to probably be even worse. So. You Businesses just have to think about how quickly am I going to start back up? Because that
0: was one thing, obviously, before the coronavirus. It's not like we were rolling in money and there was cash going down. Like, uh-huh. yeah, we've kind of yeah. been stagnant since the Iron ore price yeah. kind of crashed a bit. few years. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and because obviously, for the listeners, Western Australia is very dependent on mining. So mm. the mining did crash, employment wasn't as high, et cetera. So there's yeah. You've been listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Mitch Maroney Show. Stay tuned for more.